when I roll into the wow, wow, when I stroll into the wow, wow, when I bounce into the wow, wow, Cisco, Cisco. Welcome into another episode of the Bad Movies Worst Opinions Podcast, where we believe everybody has a favorite bad movie. The only rule of the podcast is we must watch a movie that is rated below a 6.0 on IMDb. Carrington here, Rob here. Rob, how you doing today, man? Today we are watching a movie that was personally requested by you, mm -hmm. Wow Wow West. I was eight or nine years old when this movie came out, because it came out in, what, 99? So I was eight years old. And the marketing campaign, the marketing push was huge. This was on the heels of Men in Black, which I would have seen at that time on VHS at my house. And I was begging, begging, begging my mom. I love Will Smith. I love the Fresh Prince. Men in Black was awesome. I want to see this in theaters. And it was a big, not strife, but a little friction between me and my parents. Hey, you're eight. You're not going to a PG-13 movie. You're not doing this. You're not doing this. Eventually, they said, okay, you know what? We'll take you to see Wild Wild West in theaters. I was so excited because as an eight-year-old, to be able to go to a PG-13 movie, my first one, Will Smith, the whole deal, I was amped. So that is my mindset of Wild Wild West. It's the nostalgia of this was the first one I saw in theaters. This is my first PG-13 movie. I'm a grown-up now. I'm going to be a teenager soon. Da-da-da-da. That is the nostalgia. No part of the actual film is nostalgia. And having rewatched it, if I wash away the nostalgia, it's objectively horrible. Did your folks regret the decision in the first five minutes of the movie when we see Will Smith's balls? I imagine they were pretty regretting it that moment. And then they were at the cat house, for lack of a better term. That whole scene probably wasn't met with happiness for my parents. You said it with way more PC than I was going to say. It was mm -hmm. the whole house. It was, a ho it was definitely a whole house. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure the brothel would have been another way to say it. That's a good way of putting it. I'm sure those scenes probably had my parents being like, what have we done taking an eight-year-old to this movie? Wow, Wow West has a 4.9 IMDb rating on the website. 164,000 votes. The release date, June 30th, 1999. I'm trying to think of marketing pushes for a movie as a kid. I don't know if there was one that was pushed more than Wild Wild West. You have the single, so coming off mm -hmm. the success of Men in Black, that was a big song. Wild Wild West was a big song. There was a huge marketing push for this movie back in June, early July of 1999. They really, really, really wanted people to go to the theaters. They, as one of my fun facts, this is one of the most expensive movies ever made. It cost $170 million with reshoots to get done. Now, that's most expensive by the time it was made. Thanks for taking my part of the podcast. Mm -hmm. There you go. Fun fact, most expensive ever. So I think they were begging people to get to the theater because that number is hard to recoup. This movie is currently streaming on Tubi. That's how I watched it yesterday. Tubi is a friend of this podcast. Mm. We can find a lot of bad movies on Tubi. A runtime of 106. The budget, as you just mentioned, $170 million. It made 221 worldwide at the box office. Not good. Top five that weekend. Wild Wild West was number one. Big Daddy was number two. Tarzan, number three. South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, The General's Daughter. That was the top five for 4th of July weekend, 1999. And that's probably the only week it was in the top five is my hunch, is my assumption. I don't have that fact, but it, it was immediately panned by critics and the actors. So I imagine once it hit theaters, people saw it and went, uh-oh. <laughs> I was doing some reading, and they thought that a lot of people paid for the ticket to go see Wild Wild West. But then kids were sneaking in to see South Park because you couldn't buy a rated R movie. Mm, there you go. Mm, kids makes, out here being slick. That makes slide. sense. Back in the day where you remember it was open seating in a theater. Nowadays, you buy tickets like you're B21 or whatever. Times are different. 
Will Smith is James West. Kevin Klein is Artemis Gordon. Selma Hayek is Rita Escobar. Ted Levine is General Bloodbath McGrath. And Kenneth Bragnaw, I believe that's how you pronounce the gentleman's name, he is Dr. Arliss Loveless, the villain of the movie. Wild Wild West starts with the man running through the forest with some kind of weird contraption on his head that we learn later what it is, but we don't know what it is right now. And he gets his head chopped clean off. If this is any indication of this movie, we are in for an absolute stinker. Will Smith is in the water tower with Fancy from the Jamie Foxx show, getting hot and heavy, but we got some mischief going on down yonder. We have two storylines cooking at the same time, one at the local saloon with Artemis Gordon, who we learn is a master of disguise, and Will Smith trying to sneak onto a stagecoach. Will Smith is sneaking into the saloon. Kevin Klein is trying to seduce Bloodbath McGrath for some information about the shady dealings going on at the whole house. The two find out who the other is, and the evil Monopoly man blows up the spot. I really liked the back and forth throughout this movie of the two main characters. There are a lot of flaws in this movie that I'm sure we will get into over the course of this podcast. One thing that this movie absolutely nailed was the chemistry between Jim West and Artemis Gordon, the chemistry between those two characters, A-plus for me. Kevin Klein and Will Smith and their interactions are the only redeeming quality of this movie. There is nothing else. The villain is a good actor. He's been in a lot of films. He's not good in this one. He's kind of hokey, and he's got all these futuristic contraptions, and yet it's supposed to be around Civil War time. That's all dumb. The Bloodbath McGrath character is dumb. There, there is no positive, but Kevin Klein and Will Smith's interaction is, whenever it's on film, you realize, okay, there's something here. We talk about being a good movie within bad ones all the time. Their two interactions are the only times this movie is good. To the individual scene you laid out, we get our classic 90s trope, man dressed as a woman. Why was this such a big thing in the 90s? Watching these movies again, it seems like every late 90s, early 2000s movie tried to hit this crescendo of a joke like, hey, we got a bit for you. But they're all doing the same bit. Was there some time in American culture where a man dressed as a woman was just hilarious to me and we're so far past it I don't find it funny anymore? I will say that this was maybe one of the better uses of it because at least correct with, at least with Kevin Klein it became full circle a little bit later in the movie and I actually mm-hmm. think that was one of the funnier scenes of the movie. This is the fourth or fifth movie that we've done and this is just one of the tropes, one of the comedic humors is, hey, that guy's dressed like a woman. This is standard in these kind of movies. Yeah, it keeps coming up. It feels like every time we pick a movie from the late 90s, early 2000s, if it has any level of comedy in it, they're going to have a man dressed as a woman. That just seems like our go-to move, and I don't know why it keeps being the go-to move. You're right. This one's done better because there's a full circle moment, and you know we get some comedic humor out of the full circle moment, but generally speaking, it's a... I don't get it. It's a miss for me. Thumbs up or thumbs down on being mesmerized by the boobies. Because we saw Bloodbath McGrath. He was hypnotized. Was hypnotized by the boobies. Uh, the scene, uh, thumbs down, because I don't understand why he's barking. Like, a, like it seemed like two... He tried to hypnotize him yeah, so they could get the information about who the guy... Yeah. Did we ever find out who the guy was that was trapped in the bag? Maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention. I don't remember. But this the... guy had gotten kidnapped in the bag. I don't know if we ever found out who was in the bag. No, the, the whole... I would say thumbs down on the, on the hypnotized thing. It seemed like we were doing too much trying to get information out of him. I feel like once... There was a way to do that where it's like, hey, I'm just a woman, I'm a man, I got you. But we did hypnotizing... No, no thanks. Captain West heads to the White House. Artemis Gordon heads to the White House. We get an update from President Ulysses Grant along with the mission to stop Bloodbath McGrath. 
this might be one of the most accurate depictions of a president that I've ever seen before. The makeup for this thing, I felt like that was actually Ulysses S. Grant. Never met the man, but I feel like I did when I watched Wild Wild West. Here's a fun fact. So this is based on a TV show, Wild Wild West. Robert Conrad starred in the TV show. It's very popular. Will Smith said he did this movie because he loved the TV show. Initially... The cameo with Ulysses S. Grant was supposed to be played by Robert Conrad from the TV show. He read the script and said, nope, I'm out. I'm not doing this. The movie does not fit what the television show is about. I am not making a cameo as Ulysses S. Grant. So you're right. He looks like Grant. It's very well done. It was initially supposed to be a fun cameo and call back to the TV show. But the star of the TV show said, no, thanks. Our pair is off to New Orleans to the costume ball on the crazy train, and we learn about all the kinds of invention and contraption that Artemis Gordon can cook up. What was your favorite contraption on the crazy train? This is when we get the eight ball thing, right? He gets the pool table. That's my favorite one. They're bombs and they're smoked. They're smoke bombs, the whole deal. I would say the usage of the billiards table is my top one. I know this doesn't count, but the water in the titty scene, very, very funny. These breasts are a work of art, aesthetically and scientifically perfect. They look like shit. Touch them. I'm not touching those things. What are you afraid you're wrong? Touch my breasts. Just one. Touch one. You happy, Gordon? I'm touching your breasts. I knew it. Wait, wait, wait. Squeeze it gently. Not that hard. Now you've shifted all the buckwheat around. Buckwheat? That's your problem. What are you doing? Now touch my breast. Ooh, huh? Now that's what a breast is supposed to feel like. Very nice. Now touch yourself. Oh my God, I'm hard. Where he takes the buckwheat out and he pours it into the sink and he's like, mm -hmm. this is what a boob really feels like. And the conductor of the train comes back there and is looking at mm -hmm. him all funny. I did, get a, I did get a hearty chuckle out of this part. I did enjoy their time on the crazy train. They spent a lot of time on the train, though. Almost half the damn movie, they're riding around on the train. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole... It becomes like a major plot point, too. They're on the train. Well, I know we're jumping ahead. Later in the movie, the train leaves without them. You know, it's... There's the contraption that spins and you can drop to the bottom of the train. You're fighting a guy on top of the train. We are too obsessed with the train. That is too big of a storyline. The train should not be the third biggest star of this film. Yeah, they were on the train at least three or four times over the course of the movie. Just a lot of this movie is spent on the train. We get formally introduced to Dr. Loveless, who is the Lieutenant Dan of the Confederate Army. Loveless and McGrath are working together and the tempter strikes out while trying to seduce the Fresh Prince. The back and forth with Will Smith and Loveless where he's making slave jokes and he's making cripple jokes, hilarious to me. How nice of you to join us tonight and add color to these monochromatic proceedings. Well, when a fella comes back from the dead, I find that an occasion to stand up, be counted. Miss East informs me that you're expecting to see General McGrath here. Well, I knew him years ago, but I haven't seen him in a coon's age. Well, I can see where it'd be difficult for a man of your stature to keep in touch with even half the people you know. Well, perhaps the lovely Miss East will keep you from being a slave to your disappointment. Well, you know beautiful women, they encourage you one minute and cut the legs out from under you the next. 
absolutely hilarious to me. This is the only moment on screen where I felt like the villain was actually fun because he keeps making jokes. He's like this southern old confederate who's making slave jokes, and Will Smith is quippy and fun and getting back at him with cripple jokes. It is an enjoyable thing. It is the singular moment in the entire movie where I think the villain is fun. The introduction to him is very lackluster, too. They Mm -hmm. bring out that thing of Abraham Lincoln, and all of a sudden the cake blows up, and everybody's like, oh, okay. For a guy who people thought was dead to be resurrected like Tupac, nobody really seemed to care. Yeah, they should have introduced him. We get that first scene talked about where we get the contraption that slices the dude's head off. We should have gotten the introduction to him right off the jump. Oh, man, like some sort of, this is Loveless. Loveless did this. There should have been some connection there. But instead, we get this generic Confederate reborn introduction at a party in New Orleans. Okay. As the costume ball continues, Jim West confuses Artemis with another woman, which was an honest mistake. This is actually, actually, this is the singular time I enjoy the woman the dressing as a woman thing. This is the best scene in the movie. Yes. Where Jim West confuses Gordon with another woman, which mm-hmm. was an honest mistake. We saw how he was dressed the first time. Mm-hmm. This was purposely deceptive. Good storytelling, I thought. Mm-hmm. And he goes up and he plays the bongos on the boobies. And he's mentioned how the, these, these feel more real. Good job. Like, well, this is a no-no. First, before we get there, we just think that this black dude is there at the party. This is what, early 1900s, late 1800s? I don't know my time period. This would I don't have know been my history. Immediately post Civil War. So this has been the 1870s, 1880s. We just think the Negro Cowboys just walking around freely inside this all white folk party. In New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, that's in, the deep, in the deep south with a Confederate hero who we learn is resurrected. You think he's going to allow him at a party? No. He would, he would have ended up with the attempted hanging well before the booby bongos. Yeah, he wouldn't need a mask or something. You're yeah. just not walking around just completely freely at this all-Southern party. That's not how it's working. Mm-mm. Will Smith goes up and plays bongos on the boobies. This is a big no-no. They're taking my man out back. Jim West becomes the first Negro in history to talk himself out of a lynching. like to have everybody's attention for a moment. I do believe we have had a series of major misunderstandings this evening, and I'd like to take a minute to clear a few of them up. First of which, whole drumming on the boobies thing. Now, in my native land, Georgia? Africa. My ancestors used drums to communicate between villages. Now, I'm sure all y'all can see how with this guy, we could communicate all the way to Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hell, on a clear night, we might even get Galveston. All I was saying to the gal was, nice dress, darling. Good to see you. My name's Jim. How's your mama? Then there was the redneck comment. And I'm getting a sense that y'all took that negatively. But let's break down that word, redneck. First word, red. Color of passion, fire, power. Second word, neck. Neck. All right, I can't think of anything for neck right now, but without it, y'all still got red, and that's something to be really proud of. And now we have a trio as we get introduced to Selma Hayek, a.k.a. Rita. Loveless kills McGrath with his special tank spider thing and all of his men, and he tells us of his plan to take over the good old U.S. of A. Our contraption train is now heading to Utah. Selma Hayek has returned, and the boys are distracted, to say the least. I told you she'd be a distraction. Distraction. It's nice having her on board. She's a breath of fresh ass. Pardon me? What? Breath of... She's not a distraction. I 
told you she'd be a distraction. She's not a distraction. It's nice having her on board. She's a breath of fresh ass. Pardon me? What? You said ass. No, I didn't. I said it's nice having her on board. She's a breast of fresh air. Let's just get some shut ass. I don't think we use Selma Hayek nearly enough in this movie. You know how most of these movies are kind of buddy cop movies? I know mm -hmm. this isn't a cop movie, but at its core, this is a buddy, buddy cop, cop movie. movie. Yeah. This should have been a trio movie, and Selma Hayek should have been more of a main character. Use her beauty. Use her deception. Allow her to help you as you try to save the United States of America. I don't think they use Selma Hayek nearly enough in this movie. My fun fact, the original part of Rita Escobar was offered to Jenny from the Block, Jennifer Lopez, Ooh. who immediately turned it down. They then went and found... Well, because she read the script of the movie and was like, no thanks. They then went and offered it to Penelope Cruz, who turned it down only due to scheduling conflicts. Oh, so she wanted to do it. She wanted to do it, so then it was given to Salma Hayek. You're right. Salma Hayek is underutilized. Salma Hayek is great looking in this movie. Salma Hayek, by the way, has not aged a day since this film came out. She is... By far the star of the movie. You know what I remember about being eight and seeing this movie? Salma Hayek. You know what I remember about watching this movie again for the podcast? Salma Hayek. She's the star. Two thumbs up. Let's go ahead and give Selma Hayek when a hero comes along. Done. Can we just go ahead and eliminate mm -hmm. Selma Hayek from that category? Because I'm going to take Selma Hayek. You're going to take Selma Hayek. I don't want to do that. Uh-oh, we got trouble on the tracks. Loveless is now hunting our heroes. Jim hops aboard the love train. Rita uses one of Gordon's pool balls. And now our team is captured. Rita really had no purpose in the movie other than to look good. Generic hot girl. Not, she did not aid in any way. She did not help them in any way. She was useless. Get Rita's character out of here for anything other than she was just nice to look at when she was on the screen. Which is why I'm jumping ahead here. We'll talk about it later. The ending of the movie with her character really annoyed me. If your entire character point is to be hot and flirt with both Jim West and Artemis Gordon, you can't end the way it ended. But you're right. The minute she jumps on the train, trouble arises, and here we go. Now we're captured. There was literally no payoff to Selma Hayek's character. Right? I don't want to skip too far ahead. I don't want to give away the ending. None get there in about 10 15 minutes anyway it just was really no purpose for Selma Hayek's character that's what I'm saying is she's a good enough actress and she's attractive enough use her how Kelly Hugh was used in Scorpion King that's how they should have used Selma Hayek it's like they just wanted a generic hot girl in the movie and then they were like oh what do we do at the end uh, I guess we'll just do this, because she served no real purpose. Our duo was stranded in the middle of nowhere. Well, Jim West steps out of the box and activates the magnetic blade, which leads us on a wild ride. Look, Gordon, I think you need to calm down. I can't be calm. No, 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 no. I'm the master of the mechanical stuff, and I have to help you. You, the master of the stupid stuff. We learn more about Jim West's background by the campfire, and we eventually figure out the actual plot of the movie. We don't really get an understanding of what Loveless is trying to do, what he's trying to build, and really what his motivations are until an hour into the movie. Mm -hmm. By the way, this scene where he steps outside the box, did you like this? Where he runs the cornfield, and he's got the magnet, and he first steps outside the box, and he's like, Gordon, we're good, no big deal. And Gordon's like... The smart ones, like, wait, hold on. No, I think something's wrong. And they run around and jump into the mud canyon, I guess. Jump. Presume that every canyon has mud at the bottom. They just knew this, like, no big deal. And the blades hit each other. Like, 
Did you like this scene before the camp? I agree with you on the campfire point. We took too long to get to why this movie was, why the plot exists. The thing leading up to the campfire, did you enjoy it? Are we counting the next five minutes where they realize how magnetized it is and then they get stuck together and then they're stuck together at the head and they're stuck together with the shoe and then he's stuck together on his crotch? I did like this scene. I like it more for the second half of the scene than the first half of the scene. I get it. The movie had to show us that same device that was used mm-hmm. in the very beginning of the movie. I get that. They then jumped down, whatever, and now we're there. I did like the magnet scene, and I think it goes to show what we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast. It went to show their back and forth. Like when Artemis gets really mad and he yells and it echoes and they have that conversation around the Red Rocks, I did like that part. I'm going to say this is probably another example of when Kevin Klein and Will Smith are together on screen and that is all we have. That is actually movie good. We have the Magnus stuff. We have the running of the cornfield stuff. We have the just trust me jump stuff. They land in the mud. We get the look where he's like angry at it. Everything about this scene is actually fun and well done. It's just there are no other scenes like this in the movie except for when Gordon and West initially meet each other. There's not enough Gordon West interaction. There was only one real attempt to give Jim West character any depth. It was at the campfire. Yeah. That was the only part. Hey, why are you doing this? Why are you the way that you are? Who are you? This scene probably should have happened a little bit earlier, and the movie should have maybe done a better job. Like, what's the point of Bloodbath McGrath? Like, I get it, right? But the real villain of the movie was Dr. Loveless. We don't really get to Dr. Loveless until about 30 minutes in, and then we find what his real motivation is. He and Bloodbath just seem to have two different motivations. Bloodbath just likes seeming killing people for the sake of killing them. I didn't really get that take from Loveless. Loveless had a bigger plan. Mm. I want to be the president of my own world, my own universe. I didn't get that from Bloodbath. Yeah, no, I, I feel like it took too long to get to the campfire scene. And after the campfire scene, you understand why Jim West didn't like Bloodbath McGrath. Mm-hmm. I feel like... They kind of insinuated it, though, because Bloodbath McGrath is a Confederate general or is a Confederate hero in some form or fashion, and James West is obviously black, so you would see it obviously be friction there. So I understand it, but we could have really sold the Bloodbath McGrath-James West drama from the word go, but instead... We had already lost Bloodbath as a character. I don't feel by like the time we, need we both. talked about it. I don't feel like we Correct. need Bloodbath in this movie and, and Doctor Loveless. Pick which one's going to be the main villain. Remove mm-hmm. the other one, and then that become the core of the movie. The President of the United States, Ulysses S. Grant, is trying to celebrate a new train track, but a spider train appears. Both Gordons get kidnapped: the real Gordon and the fake Gordon, who is the president. Jim West gets shot. Man, the city boys are down big. I was sitting there watching this movie because I actually kind of forgot the movie. Like, I forgot a lot of the plot points, the twists, and all those kind of things. I was thinking this can't be the conflict. This can't be what the purpose of this movie is. It's some giant spider and a man that's trying to create his own city. He has this western megazord spider creature and he's also trying to build his own railroad. This cannot be the core of this movie. That can't be the conflict. Yet again, I told I talked about it earlier. One of the major plot points is based on a train. Like what everything's based on the train. He has the spider contraption designed to destroy the train. Like it just the fact that he is supposed to be this super intelligent villain to the point where he has all these futuristic contraptions is just 
nonsense to me. I I hated the villain so much and everything around the villain. I and Kenneth Braugh is a good actor. He's in a lot of good movies. This is not one of them. Loveless is running things now. Jim West is still in live thanks to the invention of the bulletproof vest. Loveless tells us his plan of a new world order, but the president won't sign the surrender agreement to turn things over to Loveless, so he plans on shooting everybody. Will Smith comes to the rescue dressed as a belly dancer here we go again hold on you were telling me in the middle of signing an agreement to basically run the united states of america you're gonna be the president you the boss now you in charge hospital under new management you were telling me in the middle of this we took a pause for a will smith gypsy lap dance this movie earned this 4.9 on mm-hmm. IMDb. Sometimes movies don't earn their bad rating. Oh, this movie earned it. We mentioned earlier how this movie did an okay job with the classic trope, a dress, man dressed as woman. It seemed like they're leaning too hard, heavy into it at this point. Like, I know how to stop this massive calamity, this literal turnover of the United States. I'll belly dance. Also, not that it matters, we believe that this Confederate general, Confederate hero who's about to retake over the United States to rebuild and the South will rise again type of moment is mesmerized by a black belly dancer to the point where he's like, hold on, I'll wait on the signing. Let's see where this goes. Really? In front of everybody. Yeah. It's not like Will Smith privately came up on Loveless Mm -hmm. and it's a one-on-one setting. This is an open crowd. This is an open. We got world leaders. The president of the United States is in the room. This is the time for you to get a quick little lap dance. This is sick. Mm. Whose idea was this? It's terrible film work. Just nobody stepped up when they read this script and said, this is dumb. This is weird. Don't do this. No, no one had the no one had the vision in this moment in time. Well, this plan of deception works and now our team is free. We're off to try Artemis's flying bicycle and it works. Now we're off to stop Dr. Loveless's Western Megazord. Well, the flying bike crashes into the spider machine. A lot is happening on this train. You got robot men. You get a spider wheelchair. Way too much has happened in the last 10, 15 minutes of this movie. It is so incredibly chaotic, the end of this movie. By the way, one of my fun facts to the point about the chaos is, you know, the guy with spikes and the knife guy, like those guys in the final battle, they were added as part of post-production because originally when this movie first hit theaters, when they get onto the tarantula machine, for lack of a better term. The Western Megazord is what it is. When they get on that, you know who they're fighting? The beauties, like Artemis Loveless, like those attractive women, they're always around him. When they get onto the thing and the original thing, they're fighting them. And crowds didn't know how to react to them fighting the beauties. So they added Knife Man and Spike Man. So it feels bloated and like there's too much going on because guess what? There is. It's too much going on because original showings, people were confused on why Will Smith and Kevin Klein are fighting attractive women. (laughs) This movie is so bad. Do you like the cliffhanger scene where Will is holding on to Dr. Loveless and they're having that conversation about what do I do? I could kill you of killing you. I now have to kill us in this scenario. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. How did we arrive in this dark situation? I have no idea, Dr. Loveless. I'm just as stumped as you are. 
Now, I'm facing a very difficult problem here. On the one hand, I have the overwhelming love I have for myself, and on the other, the raw, seething hatred that I have for you. Now, I could kill you very easily, Mr. West, just by pulling on this lever. But I would die along with you, hence my conflict. Did you like this scene? No, I did not like this scene at all. This nothing is, about the finale was nothing about the ending. The, nothing about the final act of this movie is good. This is why nothing. I'm gonna, this is why I'm going to push back. This movie is at its best when dialogue is one on one. I thought the dialogue between Loveless and Jim West is actually pretty compelling. I thought it was good. You and I are talking about the conversations between Kevin Klein and Will Smith. It's really good. When this movie is just two people on the screen talking, it's cool. When it's a bunch of other stuff going on and it can go a lot of different directions, oh, this movie's bad. So another fun fact, part of the reshoots, not only Knife Guy and Spike Guy, they added... They had to go back and add more comedy because people walked out of screenings, A, like I mentioned earlier, found it very odd they were fighting beauties, and B, they walked out not knowing if it was a comedy or a serious film. So they had to go back and re-inject comedy into the film. I think the comedic parts, which are basically Kevin Klein and Will Smith talking to each other, are really well done. I think the action and the fighting and any time this movie tries to be anything other than a comedy is terrible. Loveless is defeated, the train can officially be announced, and the president creates the Secret Service. We also find out that Rita has been playing our squad. Hate this. She's married. And that's so she's dumb. married? So dumb. We thought at first, we thought Rita was a hoe. That's what we mm. thought when we first see the movie. You don't know what Rita is. She's then using the sexuality. She's then setting up. Ooh, he's so brave. Ooh, I like Jim West. He's so courageous. The whole movie is them fighting back and forth for this woman. And then at the end, she's like, wait, I'm lying. That guy I kept telling you about, he's actually my dad. Movie over? Get, what did I watch? Why did you sign me up for this movie? Why'd you sign me up for Wild Wild West, Rob? You got an answer for this crime. I'm not going to lie to you. This was terrible. I had kind of forgotten that's the payoff. We had basically no time of her on film other than just being attractive. And the payoff for her being attractive is I'm married and neither one of you guys are getting me. So peace up. A-Town down. <laughs> Come on. The, and, and, and then the movie's over. It just fades to black. They're both kind of like riding horses. And they're like, yeah, what are you going to do? Rotten Tomatoes gives this movie a 16% based on the review from 131 critics with an average rating of 4.1. The site's critical consensus reads, bombastic, manic, and largely laugh-free. Wild Wild West is a bizarre misfire in which greater care was lavished upon the special effects than on the script. That last part, a bizarre misfire in which greater care was lavished on the special effects than on the script, is an accurate depiction of this movie. I would fight back on it being largely laugh-free. I did laugh. I laughed at Will Smith. I laughed at Kevin Klein. I laughed at some of the capers and shenanigans in the movie. But the script of the movie, the plot, the premise of the movie, two thumbs down from your boy. I actually think largely laugh-free is fair because if you're supposed to be a comedy, like let's compare it to like Ride Along, another buddy cop movie. I know it's a little bit different, but I, I think you'll understand. That buddy cop movie has you laughing at multiple junctures in time for large portions of this movie. This movie has a couple, oh, that's kind of, like that kind of laugh a couple times. It's not comedic enough. So if you're supposed to be a comedy, 
I would agree with largely Laugh-Free. You didn't hit the comedy nearly well enough. What do you think Roger Ebert thought about this movie? What do you think he gave no, this movie out of four stars? No way he thought this movie was good. He's going to give it a one and a half. Roger Ebert gives the movie one star out mm-hmm. of four, stating, quote, Wild Wild West is a comedy dead zone. Yep. You either stare in disbelief as scenes flop and die. The movie is all concept and no content. The elaborate special effects are like watching money burn on screen. Yo, Ebert did not like this movie at all. We finally are in lockstep with Ebert because outside the special effects, which are I look at, I'm like, they're goofy and hokey. Like, we, we spent all this money to have him be on a giant spider. We spent all this money to have him have this contraption that blows people up and kills them. It just We have the magnet contraption. There are so many special effects for no rhyme or real reason. I... Ebert, me and him are back on the same page here. We haven't talked about this yet. We got a little bit of time before we get to when a hero comes along and then we re-rank this movie. I think this movie is defined by Will Smith's decision to not do The Matrix Correct. and do Wild Wild West. And when you hear his version of the story of why he chose to pass on The Matrix and chose to do this movie, well, I didn't want to become the alien movie sci-fi guy. I then felt like the rest of his career, he then was chasing being the alien sci-fi guy. I Am Legend is a sci-fi movie. I, Robot is a sci-fi mm-hmm. movie. In a lot of ways, you could argue the Hancock, Gemini Man, After Earth. That's all you did with sci-fi movies after missing on that movie. So it's just such a weird misstep that you were given one of the great science fiction movies of its time. You chose to say no to that movie, and then you did this one. Everything you're saying is correct, but I know this isn't a science fiction movie, but it's not like this movie is light on sci-fi moments. I know it's no aliens, no... You know, Mr. Smith, you're not entering the Matrix, no red pill, blue pill, but you're fighting a giant mechanical spider in 1870. We don't have to suspend belief to think that's nonsense at the time. It wasn't like he turned this down and did Pursuit of Happiness. It wasn't like he turned it down and did that. And you're like, oh, he did a very serious role. Wild Wild West, while not technically a sci-fi movie, is sci-fi adjacent. There are too many moments that are, hey, flying bike. Hey, giant spider. Hey, the train has the thing flips upside down. There are too many sci-fi e moments in this movie for me to say, oh, he turned down sci-fi to take another path. It's the same path. Do you think Will Smith has more great movies or bad movies? Bad. I think the, I think first, bad. the first half of his career, incredible. I mean, you get off to a hot star. You know that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is my favorite mm-hmm. sitcom. You then leave there, you do Bad Boys, you do Enemy of the State, you do Men in Black. Independence Day. You got off to an amazing start. Wild Wild West really starts to turn for Will Smith, where he starts doing some absolute stinkers after this point. Yeah, he does Wild Wild West, which is terrible. Men in Black 2 is okay. Men in Black 3 is bad. And it's chasing a check, it looks like, in those films. I know you love Hitch, but Hitch is just a a generic rom-com. There's no real rhyme or reason for it. After Earth... Gemini Man, those sorts of movies are all bad. Like, I, his highest of highs make people think that he has more hits than misses, but I think pure quantity-wise, the misses outweigh the makes. I mean, even I Am Legend is just okay. Like, there are too many movies in his, you know, cinematography that are, like, right in the middle. So Fresh Prince ends in 96. He did Independence Day in 96. You did in Black in 1997. You Hit. had also done Bad Boys while you were still on there. You got off to an incredible start. Enemy of the State is in 1998. 1999, he does Wild Wild West. Then he does Legend of Bagger Vance. Bad. Ali. Ali's, like Ali? Ali's good. It's all right. I don't yeah. think it's great no, by any means. It's, right in the, it's middle of the pack. 
Men in Black 2 is in 2002. Mm. He then does Bad Boys 2 in 2003. Mm. I actually think Bad Boys 2 is better than Bad Boys 1. I agree, but I feel like it's hard to give him credit for doing a sequel to a film that already hit once. That's not new discovery. And then this is where it starts to get kind of weird. 2004, iRobot. 2005, Hitch. 2006, Pursuit of Happiness. I Am Legend is 07. Hancock, 08. Seven Pounds, 08. He then takes a big break off and then doesn't do another movie until 2012 when he does Men in Black 3. His career gets really weird after Wild Wild West. You can tell he's trying to make a pivot to serious actor leaving after Wild Wild West. He then... I know Hitch is a rom-com, but Pursuit of Happiness is a... Seven Pounds was supposed to be a huge drama. It just didn't hit. It, it just missed the theaters. Pursuit of Happiness works, but I think as he tried to get away from being the sci-fi guy he was, he took a few roles to be serious guy, and one was a hit, one was an okay in Ollie, and one was a major flop in Seven Pounds. I think he just took some time off to take care of himself. When a hero comes along, Rob, give me a person, thing, scene, etc. that you thought tried to save this movie. Kevin Klein and Will Smith's interactions. Uh, every Can time- I go ahead and piggyback off that one because yeah. that is the clear hero of this movie. I thought the dialogue between those two and the back and forth was really, really good. I wish we had gotten more of that. I thought we needed more of the main characters, as funny and weird as that may sound. Mm -hmm. I thought we needed more of that. And I said earlier, I would have... Selma Hayek just didn't have a role in the movie other than being hot. If she had had a role and it was the three of them doing this stuff, I think the movie could have been better. I still don't think it would have been good because the script wasn't very good, the plot wasn't very good, but I did think their interaction was entertaining. Yeah, I feel like I agree. We agree. Salma Hayek's attractiveness and those two's interactions. There was a way to make Salma Hayek's attractiveness part a larger part of the film. You could have had some, you know, love triangle, will they, won't they, you know, stuff like that between the three of them. It seemed like they did it for one scene and they were kind of over it forever. Their interactions is the only positive. It seems like whenever they add a third or fourth character to the to the screen, it gets worse and worse every time they add someone. So, yeah, it's the obvious hero rises. Give me something you think is doing too much. Honestly, all the contraptions and all the, you know, I guess you'd call it futuristic by the timeline, you know, devices and things. We, we have the super tarantula. We have the stuff with the super train. We have the flying bike. We have the magnetic head chopper offer device. We have... We have too many devices that they jammed in there to make it not historically accurate while trying to somehow stay historically accurate that it just became convoluted and weird. All the devices to me in the pantheon of terrible things this movie, that really stands out as this is so dumb. I just think we take far too long to get into the actual premise of the movie. Like, we don't know what really motivates Loveless, what he's trying to do, what his plans are. Until an hour into the movie, the movie's about to end. I then think the movie had a very futile attempt to try to give Jim West character really any depth. It's just one story by the fire. We didn't really get a flashback. We never really went back to it. Just all in all, I think the movie is just doing too much. We talk about a lot how there's a good movie in here. I don't even really know if there was a good movie in here because I don't even really understand what they were trying to accomplish. I don't. I can't believe that Will Smith, in this point of his career, read this script, signed up for this movie. I agree 1,000%. Now, it's worth noting, the director is the guy who did Men in Black. So there is a connection he probably has, being like, hey, Men in Black was hot. Let's try it again. I can't squint and see the good movie. There is, outside of the interaction between Kevin Klein and Will Smith, there is nothing redeeming about this movie. I, I am stunned that... They got the quality of actors and actresses they did. And 
you read stories about how they asked bigger actors who turned it down too. So they they were swinging for the fences and still hit doubles and triples actors wise. I can't believe some people signed up to be in this movie. All right, we got to go back and we got to re-review this thing. This movie got a four point nine on IMDb. Too much, too little, just right. That's about right. I mean, I know under five is like a wow, it's bad, but man, this movie is wow, it's bad. It is straight up no good, terrible, not no redeeming. Honestly, I, I think going below 4.9 is too harsh because there are big-name actors in it, and there are a few glimpses and moments. 4.9 is just right. We love bad movies. I don't know how you could love this bad movie. Correct. We all have a favorite bad movie. You make fun of me about Crossroads. You're right. We all love bad movies. I don't even think this movie is very lovable. I don't think it's likable. I don't find it to be very rewatchable. A 4.9 to me is pretty fair. Mm -hmm. At most, I think I could give it a 5.1. If you're telling me that a 4.9 is a little bit too low, all right, fine. This movie can't be higher than a 5.2. That is the absolute ceiling I think you could rate this movie. Anything higher than that, I think you're crazy. Yeah, I mean, I would have said 5.2 is too high. If you have this, if you have this at five flat, that's fine. But if you have this creeping up and getting extra points in the fives, you either love Will Smith, you either are enamored with Salma Hayek, or you love Kevin Klein. There's no reason this movie to be better than a five. None. Can we do Mr. Deeds next? Can yes. I make a request? Yes, I mean Mr. Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds is a 5.8 on IMDb. I don't really remember the plot. It's been, I don't think we watched an Adam Sandler movie yet. Not yet, no. On the pod. You have convinced me. Let's do Mr. Deeds. All right, Mr. Deeds is going to be our next movie. We appreciate you guys. This is the Bad Movies Worst Opinions podcast where we believe that everybody has a favorite bad movie. Do us a favor, like us, review us, do all that things that podcasters tell us to do. Mr. Deeds is going to be our movie next week on the podcast. We'll see who will join us next week. Let's see if we can get back to having some guests join us and review these movies. I do also want to do Summer Catch before the end of the summer. Those are going to be my two suggestions. I would love to do Mr. Deeds, and I would love to do Summer Catch before we end the summer. You can't do Summer Catch in October. It doesn't make any sense. Is Summer Catch under a six? I, thought so. I remember Summer Catch being good. No, Summer Catch is absolutely under a six. All right, we'll put the list.